This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode number 26 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we're going back to June 2015, where we have a hangout with Robin Vincent from the Hill Church in Swansea, which is his third church plant. In this hangout, Robin will be talking about how we can carve out a church plant. You can find the full hangout with Robin, including a Q&A and all the notes on everything that he was saying at www.thebroadcastnetwork.com. Dot org slash episode 26. So here is Robin Vincent. Uh, just very briefly then, um, I'm going to give you my history. Uh, the title I was given was Carving Out a Church Plant. And this is the third church plant that I've been involved in um, with my wife, Hannah, in the last 16 years. And to use that without over wishing to overstretch the metaphor of carving out a church plant I sometimes feel like um, I'm in my third woodwork lesson only and if I probably ever wrote a book on church planting having been involved in a plant in Birmingham one in Bromsgrove and now down in Swansea I think I'd sometimes still say if I'm honest I still don't really know what I'm doing now of course that's not strictly true but I guess sometimes as a church planter, my experience has been, you know, you don't always have all the answers sorted out. You don't often know what lies ahead, but what you can do is look back and see where there's little piles of stones where God has been. And I guess that's been our experience really from day one back in 1999, I think it was, or 1998 when we moved to Birmingham to be involved in the Crown, the church plant that's now called the Crown in North Birmingham. Um, another thing just to say from my own personal experience and my own history, um, often as a church planter, my experience has been I've often felt kind of like basically outnumbered, very much isolated and uh, very alone at times. And I'm sure many of you guys will have experienced that yourself or are experiencing that or will experience that. And uh, I guess I just right from the get go want to share one thing in terms of something that I felt God speak to me about as a kind of helpful reminder sometimes when you're church planting and particularly when you're looking at everybody else and what everybody else seems to be doing and wondering, what are you doing wrong? Why is it like this for you? Why is it not like it for them? Et cetera, et cetera. And, and I um, am reminded of a, uh, a story from the D-Day landings and it was a, a paratrooper had gone into Normandy and uh, he'd arrived obviously in Normandy overnight, parachuted into enemy territory And he goes up to his commanding officer and he says to him, you know, sir, we are surrounded. And the commanding officer replies to him, you're a paratrooper. You are meant to be surrounded. And and for me, only in this last church plant, really, have I felt God speak to me through that experience of just reminding me that as church planters, we are meant to be surrounded. We are likely to be isolated. And sometimes it feels very lonely. Sometimes you feel like you're just sitting in a ditch. The rain is just coming down on you it's no fun and I just guess I want to say in one sense if you're feeling like that you're probably meant to be where you're meant to be and you just need to remind yourself of that occasionally um 
couple of other comments before we really get into it was that I guess the three church plants have been part of and had the privilege of really uh, leading or being a leader in it has been, you know, you kind of learn from every single one. So if this is your first church plant, you're going to make mistakes and you think, oh, man, if I did this again, I'd do it so differently. I, I personally, either I'm just very poor at doing this, but I've never found a way of not making mistakes and not learning, trying to learn from them. It's just, it's just a tough business, really. Um, and, of course, none of us, therefore, are going to be really, really good at this at times. But I guess the comfort I have is that actually, again, wish, without wishing to stretch the metaphor, you talk about carving out a church plant. We, we serve one who is a master craftsman. And right from the beginning, therefore, my encouragement to everybody is just make sure that in your church planting experience, you try and soak yourself in the Bible for your own benefit really soak yourself in the spirit soak yourself in the bible because for me it's through the bible not surprisingly i mean this is obvious stuff but hey sometimes we need to be reminded about it It, it's the bible that has sustained me spoken to me encouraged me when it's been really tough when you want to give up when you don't know what to do next it's there that i've kind of got the wisdom and the guidance and the conviction and the creativity to find a way forward. So, so yeah, that's really just a way of introduction. We're obviously down in Swansea and we've been here for about three or four years when we moved to Swansea and from Bromsgrove, we just, my wife and myself and our two kids, whereas in Bromsgrove, we had a bit more of a team and we had a team also when we were part of the Birmingham church plant. So I'm now going to move on really to the basis of what I wanted to say uh, this evening. Um, Much of what I'm going to say has been basically wisdom nicked from other people, clearly. I've said before, you know, and this is a good one to remember as church planters, you get your authority from one place and you get your wisdom from as many people as you possibly can. And all I'm going to say, it's kind of hard to filter which bit of it is just leadership and which bit of it is church planting. I'm not really sure I can tell you because I think church planting as a church planter will come out of your leadership. So I just, yeah. So you might say, well, this sounded more like a leadership talk than a church planting talk. I'm not sure how you necessarily separate the two. Um, I'm not going to justify everything I talk about with a text from the Bible um i think most of the stuff has got wisdom from the bible in it i think most of the stuff is sometimes pragmatic but i think there's a biblical truth probably running through it but i didn't want to just spend the evening quoting uh, scripture references to you i just think what i'd say is take what i say weigh it up reject the rubbish and embrace or adapt that which you find helpful so i'm going to speak on four areas and as i go through each area I'm just going to kind of make comments, really. I've just got bullet points for each area, and hopefully by the end it might be helpful or you've got a few maybe useful nuggets of gold if I'm doing well, or just pieces of bronze at least uh, that will be useful to you. So first of all, the first area is carving out an identity. Then the second area is going to be carving out people. The third area is going to be carving out time. And the fourth area, if I get time, I may just leave it, uh, is carving out resources. Um, So we'll just see how we get on. I don't want to speak too long. So we just go to carving out an identity. Um, The best place to start, in fact, the only place to start, 
And if this is too basic for you, I apologize. But for me, the longer I've been doing this stuff, the more I've realized this is the stuff that I really need to grasp. And it's carving out an identity for yourself. It's knowing who you are. It's absolutely critical. The biggest challenge in church planning is, I think, at times to be yourself. Be, be like David. Don't wear Saul's armor. When you look at the characters of the Bibles, they were themselves with their warts and all. I can remember arriving in Bromsgrove, going to a house in Bromsgrove. They're quite quite well-to-do um, house. They're lovely people. Um, they had a little group of people there. They were looking for a new frontiers church plant. I arrive as the church planter, and I remember all seriousness uh, outside the house telling myself, speaking out loud to myself, going, I am not a Baptist minister. I am not a Baptist minister. And I really had to fight to be myself and just be the man that God has made me or the, God, the man that God is making me. And, and on that vein, then, for be confident in the call that he has put on your life, no matter how frail at times you feel. And I can, again, remember in Bromsgrove, we were at the front door of our house, and, and, we, and, and Hannah turned around to me. She said, you do realize, Robin, you're the only one who thinks this church plant's going to fail. Um, and it was a timely bit of a rebuke, really. And, a re- and she reminded me about, I had said some prophetic words a few years earlier about being a church planter. And just the fact that you, you've got to remember you've been called to this. No matter how bad and difficult at times it is, you've got to keep believing and trusting that God has called you. Be yourself. Be yourself. So you can learn from others but don't copy them. You've got to lead from a place of conviction. I think conviction is absolutely vital to leadership. I think conviction is absolutely vital to faith. And it's better to be, or be prepared to fail than fake it. It's better to just go out there, be who you are. Either you fail or you succeed, but you will not fake it. And, and uh, I think Failure is also, just might add, one of the best training grounds we can have. And we've got a absolutely outstanding guy with us down in Swansea. And, and he, in the eyes of the world, maybe even the eyes of Christianity, would say his church plant failed. Well, I think he is one of the most humble leaders and humble men I've met. He's learned so much from that really difficult place. So don't be afraid of it. I'm not saying it's fun. I mean, it's pretty pants when it doesn't go right. But don't be afraid of it and don't necessarily make you think that you're not called to do it. Because often in that place of weakness, we, for me, I've seen God show up again and again. I've seen God strengthen me again and again. And it's all about this carving out an identity, knowing who you are in God, what God has called you to do. Build around the gifts that you have, not the ones that you don't. Again, I can remember in Birmingham when we were leaving Birmingham, going to Bromsgrove. Um, I, I was I, I was basically given a bit of advice by a friend of mine. He said, "Learn to play the guitar. Learn to play the guitar." And uh, I just remember thinking to myself. I'm never going to play the guitar. If you could hear me sing, it's the most appalling sound that could come out of a human being. I have got no musical ability. And I just thought, there's no point. That's not me. I can't do it. Now, I would say that um, over the period of time that I've been church planning, I've always felt the absence of not having that gift. That's been a real challenge for us. The ability to just be able to lead worship musically. I I just can't do it. But 
you have to just be yourself and you have to build around the gifts that you have, not the ones you don't. And you just have to make the best of it sometimes. And of course, by God's grace, he gives you others as well. Um, then um, I just, yeah, that, that's probably all I want to say on that one, actually. So then number two in carving out an identity, there's kind of subheadings. One was carving out an identity for yourself. And the second one was carving out an identity for the church. Um, Cause this, not surprisingly, comes from who you are. The church and the identity of the church will flow out of who you are as a leader. And if you try and fake it and imitate others, in the end, it will all start tumbling down. It will start crumbling because I just don't think that's the way God does it. And so what I encourage you to do is, is be a person who prays for the prophetic to shape the direction and the the edge of the church to sort of cultivate what you are, what, what is it about your church that God has said, this is who you're going to be. And uh, you're going to, you know, form that identity as a church again through successes and through failure. So one of the things I most love about the last couple of churches I've been involved in planting is that there's the, we do some parties and I love these parties and they, these parties come out of um, the, bit in the prodigal son luke 15 when the father is confronting the older brother and the older brother says well yeah we did this and this and this and the father says yeah but we got a party because this brother was lost and is now found and i love the fact that that story for me has been sort of put into me as part of my story and then i just love the fact that that forms part of the church plan and it's come through prophetic words and for me now just carry it with me as a deep conviction but the other side of it is that when we were in Brom- uh, sorry, Birmingham, you know, we did some projects. We, you know, there was a thing called the Jesus Video Project at the time, and we all thought this is great. This is going to be amazing. Everybody's going to come to Christ. And it was a total fa- failure, really, or it felt like it at the time. Obviously, you never know in, in reality. And it, and it nearly killed the church doing it. So your identity and who you are is so important that you've just got to be prepared to let God shape you and not just follow methods or the latest ideas. And I'm reminded by a comment that Tony, or I'm reminded of a comment that Tony Thompson, who's, I don't know where he is now, he's in Luton, but he was involved in the church planting training years ago. He made a statement once, he said, church planters are not creative enough. And and I got the opportunity to ask him, why, why is that? Why are they not creative enough? And he said, his thought for the, his, his reason was that they are afraid to fail. And I would just encourage you, don't be afraid to fail. In fact, sometimes it's when you take a step out in faith that you will see your greatest successes. And again, I'm reminded of another comment I heard years ago which was in relation to a church context where they were trying to work out something, uh, a difficult decision. They were worried about the risk. And uh, one of the leaders got up and said, you know, when we um, started this, we've got it all to gain and nothing to lose. But we're now starting to talk like we've got it all to lose and nothing to gain. And and for us at the moment in Swansea, we're facing something. We've got an evening of prayer and fasting. I won't go into any more detail tonight on it, but we're faced with something where we are, the, we are, the risk is we've spent three or four years building up a core team, establishing an identity, knowing who we are. We've got all these exciting things going on. The risk is at this point, when we're on the edge of something incredibly exciting, incredibly risky, incredibly faith 
are, are requiring great faith. The risk is that we'll end up saying, oh, but we've got it all to lose, nothing to gain. And I think ah, that's not the way of the kingdom. That's not the way of the church. Let's be a people of got it all to gain and nothing to lose. So I, I just say as church planners, don't lose that edge. Don't lose that edge. Um, and then I've already mentioned about imitating people. I just would encourage you just make sure, just take checks occasionally and say, we're carving out an identity for who we are as a church, not who other people are. And, you know, the danger is we imitate, and that's not the same as just learning wisdom from others, but just make sure you do it out of conviction. That's probably the biggest thing. I can remember, again, another moment of walking up um, a corridor in somebody's house, and in honesty, with tears in my eyes, because they almost the people, they're a lovely Christian couple, family, we're on a barbecue, but they kind of laughed at some of the things I was doing. And, you know, when we have deep conviction of what we do, we, we, you know, it can really hurt when people challenge it, but don't be afraid of, of sticking to your guns, really, and doing what you believe God has called you to do. Um, so that's, that's really about identity. Um, and I guess that nicely leads on to carving out people because the church is obviously full of people and uh, the identity of the church is shaped by many people, not just uh, one leader or a few leaders. So let's just look at carving out identity. Uh, First thing I'd like to say is this, people are a great asset. That is the most obvious thing in the world to say, but I think sometimes we can forget about it. I've, been in situations where I've heard church leaders speak about their people, you know, in a kind of leaders gathering, not speak about individuals, but just speak about generic people or people I wouldn't necessarily know who they are. And there's just sometimes I think we fail to realize that people are people and not just an asset. They are our greatest asset, but they are just more than an asset. They are the solid gold part of the church and and we need to think of people all the people in our church plant even the ones that drive us crazy because of course we drive them crazy that they are as paul says in romans they are called and beloved i mean we we just got to talk about people in the right way and and this is why i say is this church plant or is this leadership but i think it's all part of the same stuff and uh, one of my biggest or commonest errors I would say in leadership is to make assumptions about people and make assumptions about why they didn't turn up and make assumptions about why they did this or why they didn't do that. And and so often I'm wrong. And I, I still, I make that mistake a lot. I just think you've got to think well of people. You've got to think of people biblically called and beloved. Think, think the best of people. Um, There might be a greatest challenge at times, but you know what? They're just like us. You know, we've all got weaknesses and we've all got strengths. And and one of the things I'm beginning to learn more than ever, and this is particularly important in a church plant, I think, is that people are more vulnerable than they appear or we first realise. And so I just want to encourage you really to look at the people you've got and be just celebrate the people you've got and see them as maybe more vulnerable because we're all we're all vulnerable and we just don't like to admit it um and if you can do that i think then you begin to find the real gifting the real goal that's in people and you really start to see the church shape around the people that you've been given 
And it's a real privilege to have those people with us. And we've seen that here. Um, we've got some people who've been badly, badly hurt by certain circumstances. And and one of them recently, his wife said, oh, we're just starting to see the real such and such come to life again. I was thinking, man, I've known this person like two or three years or whatever. I didn't know there was another sort of, there was more to this individual and it just shows how long people take to recover. But actually, if you continue to love them and recognize their value in the kingdom of God and in God's eyes, I just think you can get the best out of people for the good of the church. Still focusing on that, I just say some folk will serve for a season in the church and it will be small and it will be, in, uh, but it will be valuable. I, I think my experience has been that people come and people go. <laughs> And you think, what was all that about? But I've grown to realize as well that sometimes God just brings people that help form the crowd, and then he seems to move them on. And I would say, don't resent it. Just celebrate the fact they helped you form a crowd that other people join to. Um, So don't be discouraged when people promise a lot and then they disappear the following week. I think these are just the realities. Um, But also... another experience I had of another church plant was uh, the guy was faced with a position where he could um, join with somebody else and it would mean that the church plant went from six to 12 people. And uh, another leader who was in a larger church challenged him and said, well, what difference is that going to make going from six to 12? And uh, he kind of was like saying, what's the point of doing that? In my mind, I'm going, man, when you're six people and you go to 12, that is huge. And if I was you, I would just celebrate every bit of growth. Don't focus on 50 and 70 and 80. Focus on 6 to 8, 8 to 10, 10 to 12, and just, you know, enjoy those moments and and, and recognize that they make a massive difference. I'm reminded of Terry Virgo. He gave a good bit of wisdom some years ago. Build with those who want to build with you. If you're worrying about what to do with your time and people, I'd say build with the people we want to build with you because really you're just going to be stretched all over the place. Um, and then a big one, this one for me, grow people, not attendance, grow people, not attendance, focus on developing people's character, their gifts, their calling, and maybe most importantly of all their confidence. I think people grow, or this is my current theory, you can disprove it if you want. Uh, I think people grow four ways. They grow through resources, so like books and other stuff. They grow through revelation, so you're listening to preaching or their own study of the Bible and God just speaks to them in some way. They grow through real-life circumstances, the loss of a job, the challenging times or whatever and they grow through relationships just working out life with other people so i love that bit in 1 corinthians 12 25 26 it says about we rejoice together and we suffer together and i love saying to people that's not he's not talking about a meeting there and if you're not careful as church planters we fall into the trap of being obsessed with meetings obsessed with attendance whether it's sundays or connection groups whatever you call them And I just think, no, do life with people. That's a critical area. And one of the mistakes, I guess, church planters can make, and this all depends around their gifts, is they can think that the best way of growing people is through um, resources and revelation. In other words, the pulpit and just teaching and stuff like that. And I think, no, people learn through real life and they learn through relationships. So 
I just want to encourage us to kind of try and grow people around all four areas. Try and, you know, remember that when you're church planting, because we can get so focused on a few things. Um, then I want to also say with people, um, Dave Devonish speaks, and I think it's in his book, Demolishing Strongholds. He speaks about battles for the first fruits. And uh, we've learned, or I've learned afresh recently, the importance of battling for the first fruits, i.e. the first new Christian. And when you get that new Christian, you need to invest time. You need to take real effort to listen, to talk, to encourage and get that person added in. It's almost like an incredible amount of effort on the first ones is key to building a foundation in the church, which means others can follow. And if I'm honest, I'm still trying to work that out. But I just know the battle for the first fruits is really important, really important. And uh, I, another encouragement as well is, um, and I think this is a, a mistake church planters can make, is uh, that we are quite obsessed with creating structure. We're quite obsessed with creating order. And we love to outline what our doctrines are and stuff like that. And that's all good. But I would encourage you to teach people out of sin. I mean, I think this is the biblical way. Teach people out of sin. Don't just define it. And in other words, you know, if you want to grow in church, if you want a church where people are being saved, it's going to be doctrinally messy. That doesn't mean your teacher is going to be doctrinally messy but your church will be. And if you don't believe me, then my encouragement is read the New Testament because that appears that the churches were pretty messy doctrinally. The teachers, Paul knew what he was about. Timothy knew what he was about. But the church, because if new people are coming to Christ, they're going to come in a mess. They're going to have all sorts of views and you will spend your life shaping them and teaching them out of sin, not just telling them what is sin. So there you go. Um, I want to encourage you to encourage freedom and creativity and mission with people. We use a phrase and we used it in Bromsgrove and we use it down here is kind of do what you love and change the world while you do it. And so what we're trying to say to people is, you know, look, do something you're passionate about, you want to do. And if we encourage them to do that, that's where they'll build their friendships. That's where they invest their time. And we believe that that's where they will may yield fruit for the kingdom of God. And so we've seen one of our best examples has been a amateur photography club for women. That's been really great just to build friendship and see things uh, just yeah friendships established with people who don't know jesus and also uh, there's some other things going on at the moment another guy starting something similar but around his passion and we think that will yield fruit in the end for the kingdom of god um and just um i want to make one other comment um, because i'm experiencing it tonight so it feels very real and then we'll just do carve out time and look to finish um it's around um trustees my trustees are meeting tonight I would just say um, make sure you choose your trustees very wisely indeed. I'm privileged tonight. My trustees are meeting around a crucial issue, and I'm just reminded again how critical it is that you get those kind of people. You choose the right people. Don't just choose people for convenience. Choose people who are for you, who understand you, who understand what the church is trying to do, because then they will back you. It doesn't mean they're yes men or women, but they will back you when you need it most. And I just say that that is something. Don't just think, oh, yeah, we just get some trustees as long as they're sort of like, you know, savvy. I go, no, get people who are for you. Really important in those early days. 
And then number three is carve out time. Um, if I could, everything would be done now. You know what I mean? I mean, you just have it all sorted when you we grow to 300, we'd get elders immediately. Everything would be fantastic. We'd never have to worry again. But I just think the Bible doesn't talk about that. And everything takes time. And my encouragement to you is this. Don't make the speedometer of your church planting be dictated by your desire to have wages so that you can go full time. Rather, be dictated by your desire to put foundations in the church that will serve the church and the community it's planted in for many years to come. Try and build that in and make that the thing that dictates your speed. Um, you need to be therefore sensible, pace yourself, have a plan that doesn't mean, well, if I don't get a salary by six months' time, what am I going to do? I'd say have a better plan than that. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. I'm just saying just be careful around building for the wrong reasons. Uh, you know, I mean, God, you know, can work through our weaknesses and our challenges, but I'm just mindful of that sometimes. And um, two more points on that. I just we encourage you as well when you're church planting it is so time consuming and we were given some advice right at the beginning of one of the church plants which was give it all you've got um for two years and in quite honestly hannah and i did and then there was a particular moment we went on holiday to devon and, and we were both rather if i'm honest we were frightened because we did not know how to relax and i just warn you about the dangers of burning yourself out and we use a phrase of when you go on holiday make sure you take off well and make sure you land well and what i mean by that is you just make sure the week before you go on holiday you just start to clear your diary a bit and when you come back you don't immediately go into a meeting or into this or into that but you just pace your life because when you get tired and when you get worn out not only is that not good you become ill being ill on holiday is not a good sign. Maybe that's relevant for somebody tonight. Um, and just you just become vulnerable. And um, I'm reminded of the bit in Revelation. It says the devil hates the baby. <laughs> the devil hates the baby. He wants to kill the church plant as early as possible. And we are therefore vulnerable and we need to be clued up. Um, so don't neglect the basics, you know. Don't neglect the basics. But in the same breath, get out there. Um, in terms of being waking up, being disciplined, and uh, just make sure that you are a person that is disciplined and leading really your church in the hidden areas of your life, not just in the public areas. And so I just want to encourage that. For me, I know over the years I've worked in the jobs as well as working for the church, and, and it requires discipline and as well as God's grace to keep doing that and start, keep your joy in Christ, keep your joy in Christ. So quite recently I learned psalm 16 because i just wanted to know that by his right hand there are pleasures forevermore and just to make sure i keep my joy in christ and the other thing about time is just avoid false momentum starters if your church plant's not really taking off don't think oh the way to get this going is to do sundays just look for where god is working and try and ride the waves of that momentum now i'm going to finish um I've already probably done my time, but I'm just going to finish with four bits of wisdom for you in terms of church planting, just maybe to encourage you. I'm going to quote four different characters. The first one is a guy called Dave Stroud, many of you will have heard of. 
And he talks about church planting. He said, take as many positives as you can. And I can still remember that all these years later and think, good advice. The next one is General Eisenhower. He spoke about this. He said, in preparing for battle, I've always found plans useless, but planning is indispensable. And what he means is this. It's good to have an idea of what you're going to do. I think about you, Mike, going to Sacramento. It's, it, I'm sure you've got an idea, you've got your plan. Uh, maybe if you've got a little bit of a vineyard history, I don't know, you know, have your five-year plan. But you know what? When it comes down to it, just be prepared as well that it will also be useless and try and look for the things that God is doing and go with those. And if you're in another situation though, where you think, oh man, this is just so hard, nothing's happening, then I want to encourage you by the words of William Booth. You said, always go on. Something always happens if you just go on. But my favorite church planting quote is from a guy called um, Poe, who is the Kung Fu Panda character. And this is from the film Kung Fu Panda 2. It's right at the end. There's a mighty battle taking place. He's about to set his five comrades free from being imprisoned. He does it with some clever, fancy tricks. He's a big, fat, cuddly panda. And one of the uh, characters he sets free says, impressive dragon warrior, that's Poe's name. What's your plan? And Poe replies, step one, free the five of you. And then another one of the characters who's been freed says to him, what's step two? And Poe says, honestly, I didn't think I'd make it this far. And my encouragement to you is this, probably you don't even know how you're going to get beyond the first stage, is don't worry. You know, God chooses people to do this task. If he's chosen you, you will succeed in one way or the other. Nobody thought Paul would write the New Testament. It was his destiny. He stumbled into it. He didn't look for it. He was chosen. And what we really have to do is not worry about success as a church planter. What we really need to focus on is being faithful with the call that God has given us and try and enjoy it as we go. Well, we hope you found plenty of helpful things to take away from what Robin had to say. Remember, for all of the notes on Robin's content, plus a Q&A with Robin, you can visit www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 26. And if you go to thebroadcastnetwork.org, you'll find loads more church planting resources, articles, hangouts, and you can sign up for updates about any upcoming hangouts that we will be doing.